Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Surreyor Global Fantasy Football Podcast. This week, myself, Hybe Index, and You'll Never Walk Alone Blockchain are joined by Buzz and Paul to focus on Gymnasia La Plata, cards coming onto the platform. We're going to be discussing the new game iteration that just went live over the last two game weeks. We'll have a look at the upcoming game week. We're going to talk about some of the things that have went on over the platform over the last few days, including the Mbappe Unique, local currency payment options added, and looking at some of the community social activity. So welcome, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Hi, Big Mark. Thank you very much for having me on and congratulations with, with all the success on this podcast. It's a, been a really, really good addition to the So Rare community and long may it continue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very well, much. So yeah, I, I suppose one of my, my first questions for you, and I think what listeners will, will want to hear is, how, how did you find the, the platform and, and sort of what has your, your journey been so far? Yeah, fairly, fairly standard, nice and easy question to start off with. So thank you for that. So uh, so actually, Hybe, it was uh, your whoring of certain other Twitter hashtags that led me to first to <laughs> discover So Rare. So you can take partial responsibility there. Okay. Um, yeah. m- Actually, when I when I discovered it, probably from one of your your first tweets, my first impression was really really positive, and that was just based on the aesthetics of the site and the cards themselves. Now, with the obvious yep. exception of Juve and CSKA Moscow cards from this season, that's something that so rare have managed and need to maintain. But yeah, overall first impression was just how good the site looked. And um, after my first impression, I, I had a couple of concerns um, about barriers to entry. So so I'm from from my Twitter background, I've got quite a, a reasonable amount of football knowledge, a bit of disposable income, but zero understanding of crypto, blockchain and gas. Mark, I think you helped me quite a lot in the first instance. And I've had lots of questions in particular on gas. Still not sure I fully understand. Um, but, but since those kind of initial misconceptions, as they've turned out, and the, probably the part that's made me most bullish about the platform is how the management team have done a fantastic job of significantly reducing these initial barriers to entry so just before we came on the podcast actually I just spent two minutes thinking of things that have improved since I joined in in June I think the most important one for me Ibi you've already mentioned so it's their recent partnership with Ramp Um, it means that players can fund their wallets directly within SoRare so the ability to acquire ETH Ethereum, I think it's called, (laughs) is no longer an issue for people like me who didn't even know what ETH was before joining. So that's a huge one. The second one I was concerned about was um, kind of complexity. So recently, and we'll talk about this later, we've moved from power to scarcity criteria in the SO5 competitions. And for me, that's dramatically reduced complexity and also means I can now fill my lineups with my best players. I don't have to contrive teams to get as close as possible to an arbitrary power limit. And for me, I really just want, I've spent money on cards. I want to play them as, as often as I possibly can. And um, the other thing that there was a big barrier barrier to entry when I started, but has dramatically improved is the volume and value of ETH prizes for SO5 competitions. They've significantly increased. And what's increased along with that is the intrinsic value of these cards. And um, so they you can now obviously earn ETH on a regular basis and um, gives you the ability to earn more than just more cards, which is predominantly the prize structure when I first joined. Um, There was a question that that you sent through to me prior to the podcast, actually, about um, when, what stage did I think the um, platform had amazing potential? And I think the answer is when, or the epiphany moment for me, was when they announced their Marseille license. I think that was the biggest partnership um, or the first big partnership that they announced after I joined, I noticed that Niels and Kunku had agreed a transfer to, <laughs> to Everton um, and only his first 10 rare cards would then be sold. So we had a, quite a few conversations about it, didn't we, Hybe? And I strongly considered pulling an all-nighter to acquire many of these cards as I possibly could, which was absolutely a crazy consideration, considering that I hadn't even heard of Nkunku 24 hours earlier. So, I think everyone's hearing about him today. Um, seen he was trending earlier on Twitter. So, yeah, with Digney out, I think it's Neil's time. You might even be able to get some utility out of him outside of training squads, which would be quite nice. But yeah, overall, my impression, my first impression was about the the aesthetics. And since then, I've been so impressed with the management in place with So Rare. I can't wait to put my lineups in every week. I find it quite stressful. Now I feel like I've got a chance of competing in Champion Europe. Some of those um, lineup dilemmas, especially with the fixture rotation at the minute, is quite stressful. 
But as soon as I win a prize in Champion Champion Europe, it'll be very, very rewarding, no doubt. Yeah, I, I bet it will. Some great points there and lots of stuff we'll probably talk about a little bit further. But just touching back on your, your point there about the team and uh, initial first impressions of, of the platform. And I think similar thoughts from, from myself. I came onto the platform and, and seen just how slick it looks, how, how slick these cards look. Um, how how the website functions and, and how easy it is to, to pick up and, and go and that for me was was great and also knew it was fairly very early stages and there was going to be lots of you know enhancements coming lots of you know way, ways forward for this platform and as you said the way the team have handled a lot of that has been absolutely fantastic and again we'll we'll talk about a few of those items a bit f- further on but for for me those have been some of the the big takeaway is just how, how clean and slick the, the platform is and is improving on a, a regular basis. There seems to, to be a new feature, a new enhancement every other other week, um, along with all, all the new teams. And yeah, the, the way the, the team are, are taking feedback from the community, looking at, at what works and, and really trying to strike out a balance there to, to get the, the most enjoyable and um, yeah, the, the most entertaining platform that they possibly can. And, yeah, so far, so good. Paul, can I ask a, a question? Obviously, I've known you from towards the beginning of, of when you joined the platform and we had conversations about valuations of players and certain players. In terms of the composition of your collection right now, I mean, anyone that sees your collection is going to, I would imagine, jump to a conclusion, wow, this guy likes the big name players. And, you know, without doubt, you've been very selective in terms of the cards you've acquired, very particular in, you know, who you've been targeting. Uh, and I think that's going to pay dividends for you. In terms of perhaps turning the clock back a few months, is there anything you would have changed in terms of how you've gone about building your portfolio? Or you know, is this exactly how you, you, you wanted it to be at this stage? Um, had I known what I know now at the start of my journey, I think I would have paid less um, heed and attention to under 23s. Now, when I first joined the platform, I think about half of half of all competitions we under 23 now we've obviously moved to the um, regional league structures under 23 depending on how many leagues go out is obviously a significantly smaller pool of the overall or portion of the overall prize pool so i'd focus less on under 23s and probably not be afraid to buy more players in the age range of 25 to 28 but you're absolutely right i'm i'm very focused on champion europe because where i'm least confident is the utility of players and the value of players outside of so5 competitions and for me the, the biggest players in europe will be the ones most likely to rentate, retain their value after their so5 utility reaches zero which is obviously why i'm most comfortable holding those players also there's an element of yet a hell of a lot of more information publicly available about lineup news and injury news on the top five leagues so i I find it easier to manage what few players i have by getting as much information as possible from twitter on on the big leagues by the time you start looking at some of the the asian leagues and probably even the the american leagues that information just doesn't exist in 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 any capacity that that can be useful to help help with lineups on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, no fair comments. Yeah, certainly. And any advice for for new managers? Yeah, there's two there's two bits I'd like to focus on actually. The, the first one is the market. Um, so if you're targeting rares and to some extent kind of super rares that aren't necessarily in the star tier, my advice to either myself restarting or listeners to this podcast is don't necessarily you don't necessarily need to feel rushed by auctions especially with rares when there's a hundred cards in each of each player there will always be another auction also with rares there'll be plenty of managers looking to resell on the secondary market when i started i got that adrenaline rush um from auctions and i probably bought too many players that i've since resold at a lot and the other thing that i've seen on the discord quite a lot in terms of the market is that the 50% XP reduction for secondary market transactions has been vastly exaggerated. At most, I think, well, at most you'll lose two and a half points for one player in one game week. So I'd encourage listeners not to be deterred from the secondary market because of this XP reduction. Um, So that's that's my advice on the market. In terms of SO5, like I said, I I focus on champion Europe, particularly focus on Division 3 and Division 4 since we've moved to the new structure. What I'd advise any new users or people unsure where to start is in Global Division 4. And the reason for that is obviously because of the, if you can consistently win the 0.02 ETH prize every game week, 
then relatively quickly with us with so rare running two game weeks each week you can quickly acquire a decent amount of ETH to build a war chest with my other bit of advice is on picking teams if you want to compete for the best prizes target peak scorers in attacking positions for captaining and both and your extra player that's that's about as much as i've learned so far. earlier paul on the fact that you were uh, part of Sarare when yes the the tournament structure was structured with the all-star and the under 23 and as you said you you geared your early decisions based on the fact that under 23s was quite prevalent in in where you could actually compete in different tournaments you were obviously there when the move to the regions took place and i hear your reasons for you know maybe the the more what we would classify as exotic, the Americas, Asian leagues, perhaps didn't take your fancy. With what you've got at the moment, competing in uh, European champions makes complete sense. Uh, I assume you also get involved in in All-Star as well. Uh, do you have any interest in, in the Challengers uh, region as well? Um, the only way I'll have interest in those more exotic leagues if I, is if I win multiple prizes in global that are eligible for those competitions. Right. Um, what would actually lure me is particularly into challenger europe and i've got a question for you two on this later is potential additional leagues that that so rare might get a license with if we get a, if we get an eredivisie for example i'm pretty sure i'll be all over challenger europe yeah i think that's um for me it's 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 a combination i, I understand the region decision that makes complete sense and also it's, it's time permitting as well not everybody has the the time or desire to go scouting for uh you know, is Gambra Saka's left back back from COVID or uh, quite yet? Um, but I think also the seasonality comes into uh, effects as well. Uh, and I've been chatting to guys that are saying, well, look, MLS is coming to an end. J-League's coming to an end. We've already just seen the end of the K-League. You know, what is, you know, is there any reason or any advantages of, of getting involved now, even if the players are cheap? And, you know, we have to think hopefully a little bit beyond a week from now. Uh, and it won't be long, January, February, where we will get the resumption and a brand new MLS season, a brand new K-League season, a brand new J-League season. And for me, what's exciting, if you apply that to all the different regions, is that'll be the time where the most sought-after super rares are going to start entering the prize pool again. So, yes, at the moment, uh, guys like Cecina, guys like Junior Nagao, who you probably don't need to do a great deal of research on, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that at the peak of the season or the early part of the season... These super rares could be some of the most sought-after cards in the game, whether you're playing those regions or not. And I think that if you are a newcomer and you are looking to diversify your collection, I think there are some amazing reasons at the moment to start scouring exotic markets and just giving yourself a, a position in January, February, where you can compete for prizes which are arguably going to be a lot more valuable than the super rares that can be won you know, with just a few weeks to go of a given season. Do you subscribe to that theory? Yeah, Mark, it's, it's a great point. What I'd particularly focus on is the the see, the new the current season bonus that cards, every card has, they're less impactful for super rares and uniques. So if you were looking to kind of build a team ready for some of the leagues that are about to end, I would focus on super rares and uniques if if obviously your budget allows and also if you're buying them now you can obviously stick them in training for however many months and build that xp build that xp bonus so there won't be any they won't necessarily be inferior by any of the new season cards when when they come out yeah i think that i think that's a great point it's going to be marginal but yeah i think for me it's a case of someone says oh well for 0.1 0.2 you could get yourself right now an mls you know division 14 prepped and as you said get them in training ready for february and you can get yourself an Asia uh, Division 14, you know, for, for the price that people are quite willing to pay for, you know, just an additional guy that may or may not improve their collection right now. So, yeah, I think, I mean, we all play, as Ivy said, get the game differently. I, I tried to resist the lures of the K-League, but I got sucked into the J-League. And I think a lot of my decisions now that I'm making are thinking about what prizes are going to enter the pot in February. Okay, interesting. I want to be ready for those. And as you mentioned, if we pick up the Dutch League, if we pick up some of the other leagues, which then cotton on to the challengers, then again, we want to be there at the beginning when the top Dutch uh, players are, are up for grabs as, as, as super rares. And I think that there will be mini spikes in valuations. And, you know, we've all got, well, most of us have got core holdings of maybe Belgian League. We've got maybe some Russian players and some Portuguese players. These are going to be even more important moving forward, I think, 
for when more teams join the uh, the challenges, albeit they will be a lot more competitive, those leagues. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking Challenger Europe has the most scope to add additional leagues, doesn't it? It's basically every league in Europe apart from the top five. So there's anywhere up to 15, 20 that can be added. So by the time all those licenses are agreed, that is going to be by far the most competitive league, I imagine. And I think with it, you'll get uh, probably the, the second tier of, of, of desirable prizes. I think, again, the, the reason that people are gravitating towards European champions is because that's where you know you're going to be guaranteed to win the European champions card. And yes, the all-star is nice. You've got the, fail, uh, the safety net of the 0.1, 0.1 or 0.02 ETH. Um, but if you can start getting into the card prizes there, you're still giving yourself a chance of the European champions card. But, of course, that's merged in with the other regions as well. Yeah, some, some great points there. I think the, the bit you touched there uh, upon, Mark, about maybe scouting some other regions that are being lured into the K-League. So I initially, as well, probably wasn't that, that interested. But when you when you start to see all these leagues in action and your your global and your 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 all-star division being won by lots of players that you you've you've never heard of before you start to take notice and i think yeah it presents scouting opportunities for for people who are more up to, to date on some of these leagues and yeah i'm sure we've all taken more of a, an interest and picked up some names over the last few months since these leagues have joined i'm certainly going to try and get some of these players over the the, the quiet period when they don't have games see if i can build teams for for next season i certainly think it's an opportunity while there there should be less demand for those leagues for me to potentially build up some some lineups there as you you talked about so yeah we've also had a another new club added to the platform mark do you want to give us a a run through on that yeah i mean it's uh it's not a new club uh, per se because we did have the the cards from last season as well Uh, Well, i wanted to ask you about that because Mm. i I had picked up some of those cards in, in the past, but um, yeah, you may maybe give us a, a bit of a background as to what's happened there because it was launched as, as a new club. So I think if you were yeah, fairly I new to the, the platform... The banner on the transfer market may have just been inaccurate. That was all. Um, so the club, Gimnasia La Plata, which is... Is, is in the news for some some dis- different reasons this week. I think you know we're we're recording this now the day after the uh, incredibly sad passing of of, of Maradona. So it's uh, it's a club which he was their head coach and earlier in the year probably I think this came before the K League. Uh, um, so it would have been our Serres first venture really into uh, what we've already classified as a more exotic uh, league. Uh, so the Argentinian main main league. And yes, it was a, a fantastic addition to the platform and was sold heavily around the fact that, you know, we are able to bring a licensed Maradona card to the platform as the head coach of uh, Gymnasia. So it's a, it's an ongoing uh, um, contract uh, with uh, Serer. And so again, I think the plans to develop out the Argentinian league, uh, this is the first and will remain the first team on the platform and there'll be more to follow. Uh, so again, this season we've had the 20, this week we've had the 2020-21 cards. And I think again, those are the building different ways to uh, chat, compete in the America's division, uh, these form more cards that you can compete against the MLS guys. And also, as we had last week, Santos Laguna against the, the Mexican guys as well. Yeah, yeah. just touching on that that, that news yesterday, it's quite shocking. Um, I think we're, we've all grown up in awe of, of Maradona, or certainly I, I was, and uh, See that yesterday, yeah, it's quite a yeah, quite a quite a, a shocking feeling. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too 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 political over this, but it's it's. I think some I was shown this morning some some of the tabloid coverage in the yeah, UK. and some of that is not not yeah, not been great. It's has really it? Disappointing to hear. I mean, again, I've had more enjoyable conversations throughout the last twenty four hours with, as you said, people that. Uh, you know, maybe don't haven't seen him live in person. I certainly didn't get to see him live in person, but all got vivid memories of games that uh, and tournaments that he you know dominated um there was a great article from 442 yesterday which i enjoyed going through at my own leisure and some amazing footage of him in the 70s and early 80s and yeah i mean regardless of you know a few isolated games where you might not have liked some of the actions he's taken um you know yes, there's, there's no unless, you're, you're scottish. unless you're scottish and that, that's a sort of a source of pride that that particular goal but yeah i, I think you're you're right there's a a lot more to it than than those isolated incidents that isn't there and 
I've been made aware of that documentary um, that, that recently went out. Um, so it was a, a few years back that was produced. So I'm, I'm going to spend a bit of time this weekend and hopefully watch that. So yeah, that, that should be good. Yeah, for me, Maradona's up there in the, the top three best football players of, of all time. Um, I've actually started looking at some forums for um, trading cards based on my experience with So Rare. I wondered now, and obviously if, if, if we don't want to do this on the podcast, if it if it's worth talking a bit about valuing of players with non-SO5 utility. So obviously Maradona for me is the prime example of that. Um, yeah. if, if you're okay, guys, and Mark, I'll probably deter to you for this as, as kind of the, the expert on this. Um, but based on obviously the sad news yesterday, what impact do you think it's had on the, the value of, of Maradona? Um, I mean, personally, uh, I think in the short term, very little in, in, in fairness. And, and the reason I say that is that when you saw the first few cards sold of him with brand new 2021 season on it, they didn't really make any great waves on, on the, in the auction house. Uh, it's a coach card. A lot of people are, which will overlook because there is no current utility for coaches in the market and think you know, where where there is a potential for Maradona cards to be worth considerably more. It's actually in a market which hasn't been opened yet. And I think the relationship with Napoli, for example, if uh, future opportunities with Napoli fall like they have done, let's say, with PSG, and we've seen already a David Beckham card there, and we might go on to see other legend cards come out from PSG, if a subsequent agreement with Napoli is, is put in place where legendary cards can put uh, can be issued, then I see a Maradona 1990 card, for example, from Napoli being way more valuable than, with respect, a Maradona coach card from Gymnasia La Plata. Yep, yeah, I think that's a, a fair observation. And th- this market is not mature at all on, on Surreal yet. It's global fantasy football platform. And as a, a bit of a, an aside, there may be this collectibles market that, that grows out of that, but that will take time to develop. That will take may, many years potentially. And I think that there will also be, yeah, as you said, may, maybe that, that side of things in the future, at, at the moment, there's not a huge, huge increased demand for, for that particular card. Um, although yesterday, so you, you talked about those very low initial auctions that, that went 40 to 60 pounds. I think the, the cards were, were going for after after the, the sad news, those cards were, were selling for 400, 500% more. Um, so it was, I, I didn't personally like seeing that happening on, on the day. I don't know. How you can stop it? I know it's it's part of the game, um, but it just didn't didn't quite quite feel right seeing them traded on on the day. But yeah, there there certainly was an opportunity for for people to flip out a card for five hundred percent within a. Oh, I think I think I only saw one actual flip, and I think if you look at the managers that are owning those cards or attempting with those cards, they're not they're not managers that I feel have really grasped the game. You know, they're not, they're not managers that I'd be thinking, okay, yeah, that's a fantastic strategy. Uh, if it was a fantastic strategy, I think you would have seen, you know, many of the, the more recognised name managers, you know, uh, start to make private deals and a lot more of them change hands. The fact is a couple of the cheapest ones got picked up off the market and then thrown back out again at, at silly prices. And if anyone wants to uh, go and chase those numbers, then fair play to them. I can't see any any managers that I'm speaking to on a regular basis uh, fall for, you know, that that sort of activity uh, off the back of that site, that, that type of news. It's probably worth touching touching slightly on the, in, in at the end of the, I can't even remember the name of the club, someone's going to have to remind me. Gymnasia La Plata. There we go. Thank you, Mark. Um, so obviously they've relaunched the new season for those. Um, I just wanted to touch briefly on the the so rare public road roadmap that they um, that they publish on a quarterly basis. Firstly, yeah. because I'd highly recommend all listeners go and check it out. It's a really useful site that they've got going on. And secondly, because there's one particular item on there that's particularly interesting to me. So that the target that they've put for Q4 is that they want to sign new 40 new clubs. Now, the obvious caveat is that signing and launching new clubs for auction are two different things. But I think based on Krasnodar, Bayern and Santos Laguna, I think we've got 37 clubs to go, assuming that they were included in the 40. So I'd just like to ask, let's start with Heidi. What teams and leagues can, would, would you expect? Are we looking at South America? Are we looking at Eredivisie? Or, or are there particular teams in Champion Europe that you think so rare might be targeting to, to kind of launch in Q4 or the remainder of Q4? It's a, it's a tough question. I suppose there's 
who do I want them to to launch and, and who do I, who do I think that there might be launches for um, I'm saying, ah, we all know the answer to who you want to launch don't we well, well, well that's it I think we we, we do um, we, we want Hibs but I don't think that Hibs would ever be launched as a, a first club in the in the SBL they're um, holding up for too many too much money up front I think that's the that, problem that's it yeah there's so you know, that's a, a bit of a stumbling block they're, they're bigger than the PSGs and, and Bayerns of, of the world but yeah I think if if Hibs were to be added, it would probably be with the, the SBL being added. Um, I'm not sure how, how far away that is, but I'm, I'm hoping that's something that we, we do get in, in 2021. I'd like to see more filler in the, the European leagues, so that would be my, my preference. I think that's something that the team must be looking to target, especially with some of the other, other leagues closing down. You, you'd want to have more opportunities for, for people to get excited and participate with players who are in competitions, particularly in the, the latter stages of the Champions and Europa League. So for, for me, some of those big other big hitters in, in Europe so lots of games on, on tonight and there's lots of teams that are playing tonight that are, are not on so rare that would be fantastic additions so yeah I think my heart tells me it was, it's going to be a, a league structure added to hit, hit that number of 40 clubs and then additional additional clubs and I'm hoping those additional clubs are uh, across Europe and are some of the, the largest clubs what, what about yourselves? Who do, you, who do you hope for first? Yeah, I think as uh, as you've mentioned there, I think we've we've got a nice start now in places like the Bundesliga. We've got a nice start in places like La Liga, and I think it would be you know we've got a lot more teams. Well, it feels like we've got a lot more teams, even though we don't. It's not loads more in the Serie A. So I think if we can get another three or four clubs in the Bundesliga to pad out uh, the Bayern, Bayer Leverkusen, and the Schalke, and then we can get some more on the go in La Liga to complement Atletico Madrid, Valencia, and Betis. I think again, as you said, then we we can start to feel as though we we we've got a lot more competition in 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 each of the uh, in each of those top five leagues. Even though in reality it's only a few clubs more. You know, if we got the whole Bundesliga tomorrow, if we got the whole of La Liga tomorrow, you know, would there be still too much focus on Real Madrid, Barcelona, and still the Atletico cards? Uh, and you know, how competitive would picking up some of the players towards the the lower end of each of these tables be? Who knows? I mean, it, it was, the nice thing is in the lower end of La Liga, the lower end of the Bundesliga, you can still buy these cards and compete to win a Neymar, an Mbappe, Kimmich, and Lewandowski. So um, they they might still carry more utility than cards that are at the very top of the challenge division. Who knows? And I think we've, we've still got these markets have got to play out and we've got to become a lot more mature before we start to see you know, real price uh, ref, uh, references uh, compared to each other. But we, I'd like to see uh, Liverpool, of course, and I'd like to see uh, more Premier League. And I think once we can get Premier League mixed in amongst the other top five, you know, we're, we're pretty much there or thereabouts. Then it's just a case of mopping up all the ones that uh, haven't been uh, haven't been signed up yet. Definitely, yeah. yeah. What about you, Yeah, Hybe, yeah, I liked your mid-tier Champion Europe ideas. I think, for me, it's critical that when Champions League and Europa League knockout stages come about, I think, mid-February, as long as we've got 10 teams... Um, through to the first knockout stage so that they can run a champion Europe yep. during those weeks whether that means the mid-tier clubs like your Atalantas sorry to any Atalanta fans that are listening those those types of teams where the license isn't necessarily going to be massively expensive like like the Liverpools that Mark wants as long as we can run those leagues when the knockout stages of those comp- those premium European competitions come about I think we'll be in a good place It's interesting you say that because I think there'll be some uh, listeners out there that uh, will probably want things to go at a slightly slower pace and the reason I say that is by the time the the last 16 of the the Champions League and the Europa League kicks in, that's going to be exactly at the time where a lot of the new Asian uh, leagues and America leagues will will kick in. And come a midweek, yes, it would be nice to have a dedicated champions, a European champions uh, division one to four, as well as a challengers one to four. But I think it would also be quite interesting just to have an all-star one to four and if there is only a few clubs that make it into the last 16 from the ones that we've got licensed and all of a sudden the J-League's got a midweek fixtures and MLS or Mexico or Argentina got midweek fixtures as well. I think that throws up a lot more excitement for the all-star divisions and the under-23s where there are great prizes to be won from every single region. And it won't just be those that have got the, the buying cards and the Juve cards and all the cards that have progressed into the latter stage of, of, of the European competitions. It'll be a case of, hey, guess what? I could put my uh, 
LA Galaxy cards out, or I can put my Santos cards out, and I, you know, I might better beat the uh, the Bayerns of the world this week uh, in a midweek competition without them all migrating and having their own competition. Yeah, I, I get that. I think also on the, the flip side, there's the, the onboarding element as well, and having the excitement around and being able to build up those elite European competitions because you know, let's face it, they they are the, the pinnacle of football, other than you know the, the World Cup, the Champions League is the, the most talked about competition and, and football probably up then then the Premier League so I think for the platform it'd be good to, to have some of that building up um, and I know I get the point around maybe building it up slower um, as well there's there's lots of benefits of, of doing so and I think there's maybe a, quite a good approach the guy the team are taking in terms of releasing a, a super club and then releasing some, some other clubs to, to build up leagues so yeah interesting to see what 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 they do and obviously we've, we've all got different thoughts there on on it so interesting to see what other users in the community think and it's be good to, to get your your feedback on that on twitter or on the discord channels let us know what would you like yeah. to see who would you like to see as the next clubs coming forgive on? me for not getting excited about the prospect of my killian mbappe being outscored by a senior in the when he's in the champions league quarterfinal i'll leave that excitement for you mark i i, I agree i'm I, there are certain uh, leagues and clubs that i have you know uh, little interest in too but i don't think you know from an onboarding point of view i think we have to embrace and welcome the fact that at some point there will be 20 leagues you know some big some medium some small and you know if we want you know managers to come on board i can understand it from a perception point of view you log into the platform for the first time you click on tournaments boom there's a european champions tournament great but then you go to the transfer market and you go Ah, that's going to cost me about two, three thousand dollars at current rates to to get involved. So I do think, say, the different tournaments. You know, not only do they appeal to different types of fan bases, but they also appeal to different types of uh, of, of managers on the, on different budgets. And if people can, look, yeah. if people can look beyond the fact that if people can see straight away that no matter what team of five they put together they've got a chance of competing for big prizes. Now, we've only got four regions. So if you do end up winning a Division 4 or Division 3 and you get a star card, well, you might get your star being the Asian Cecina, but you might get the star card being, you know, your pick, a, pick an MLS player that actually uh, is worth its sort. A Twester, for example. You know, you might get a star there. But you never know, you might get a star Mbappe. And I think that needs to be encouraged and embraced. And yeah, if you're if you're a manager that doesn't want to take the time to look at other um, regions because it doesn't fit the model that works for you, no problem at all. During the weekends, you're almost certainly going to have that division one to four that you can compete in with other managers that have similar collections to yourself. You know, we've only just had the fortune of getting regular midweek tournaments. That's only just come about. So you know, I, I don't mind if the midweek tournaments don't, aren't fully uh, encompassing of every single region initially until we get all the teams up and running yeah and I, I don't think there, there is a, a massive rush I, either there I, I just think it's quite nice and, and certainly from from my perspective coming from where I've came from from football index perspective is where a knowledge base would be so so there it would part my comfort zone but I was also looking at this week a couple of my uh, top performers are players who I have no idea who they are <laughs> One, one's in the MLS and, and one I think is in the, the J League um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on these players but yeah so it just shows you you can and, and one of them cost me three pound the, the other day there in the, that's in the cheaper options. than Marks Cabral that. Uh, exactly I don't know if I should be more right that you don't know who the player is or that someone in your top three got only 78 points high we've met uh, that's at the moment, you're a little bit further further field as well. yeah Ronaldo with a uh, sorry um, Mbappe with a 37 this has been a horrific game week so I think that's what we're we're, we're going into <laughs> To talk about now is game week 118 and 119 where we've had you touched upon it briefly there Paul at the start around being able now just to select your, your lineups not having the power cat the, the new design there so yeah I also personally love it and I think it's going to take me a bit of time to master it going by this game week and last game week yeah I thought it was going to be so it certainly is a lot more intuitive but my selection has, hasn't been um, great over the, these game weeks. So how have you guys found it? Uh, the simplicity of it is what really I really, really appreciate. Um, I, I never quite understood the power structure, especially as it seemed count, counterintuitive towards the end of the old power structure when people were using and getting lots of utility out of commons and high-powered rare in Division 4, which obviously became apparent to me when we were competing in the World Cup competition. Um, so the ability for me to select my best players and put them in lineups was 
without power limitations is one that I've been building towards for a long time. But now it's here and now I feel like I do have a competitive gallery. I find it very, very stressful. And I you always you always focus, it's human nature, isn't it? You always focus on the decisions that you get wrong. So game week that's just going on, my decision was between playing a super rare uh, Rodrigo Bentancor or a super rare Wesley Fofana in my Champion Europe Division 3. Probably spent two hours mulling over the decision. Bentancor wasn't guaranteed to start. I thought Fofana was. And what happened in reality was the complete opposite. Bentancor started, got a 72. Fofana's obviously not started this evening for, for Leicester. So I, I've been building I this. I must admit. I've been building this I'm not, so I'm not spending these two hours. I'm not spending two hours pondering these decisions. Um, maybe I should be. Maybe, maybe that's what's what's going wrong this this game week. But yeah, um, it, that that happens, doesn't it? It does. Just to touch briefly on my experience for game week one one eight, I think the epitome of and the microcosm of my game week was Lucas Hodetsky's performance. So he obviously scored a horrendous own goal against uh, Armenia. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> he obviously scored a horrendous goal against Armenia Belford, and I think they actually had an xG of zero point zero which is one of the very few times in the Bundesliga where that's happened. But Hideki still managed to concede. And obviously the alternative for me was Jan Oblak, who could have competed in Championship Europe Division 3. He was playing at home to Barcelona, assumed there wouldn't be a clean sheet there. He had a storming performance and got the clean sheet. <laughs> so that, that epitome of my two two most recent game weeks for you. But I, like I said, I'm com- I'm comfortable in, in, in the gallery that I've got and it won't be long before I'm earning rewards out of them, hopefully. That's it. And I, I'm I'm similar so i joke on 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 the pod that my my, my game week selections are are terrible but i've got the right players i've got lots of decent players in there and i I know i I can compete in the the tournaments that i'm targeting and there's additions that i I need to bring in as well to to enhance that but yeah i've I've got the players there and and sometimes it just doesn't fall your way but that's a game of football and it wouldn't it'd be a bit boring if it was too too prescribed wouldn't it so yeah there's going to be ups and downs and and bappy hitting a 37 that 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 might but that's that's again the reason to diversify guys and you know i I can understand exactly i can understand the argument and the the rationale for you know i want a very precise collection that i can manage i can look after but um i I think there has to be certainly in these times more of a a scatter i mean my, my my approach is probably more of a scattergun approach it's you know, throw as much stuff at the at the wall, and some of it's got to stick. If I don't wake up with a, a third, a fifth, a seventh, and two or three things placing on on a week to week basis, then I've really had a disappointing week. You know, I think if you check your teams uh, as early as possible, and then at the moment, if you are going to be spending some serious time doing some research. You just got to be listening out for is anyone injured? Has anyone just got COVID? And you've got to listen out for team news. There's no way, with the best will in the world, you know, we are going to predict who is going to be rotated out of a lot of these teams. It's it's just not possible. So we've got to put ourselves in a position whereby right now I see over the last couple of weeks the trends tend to be putting a lot more players from the same team in the lineup. Okay, I'll have my Lazio lineup there, I'll have my Munich lineup there. I'll have my Bruges line up there. I'll have my Porto line up there. And if one of them has a stinker, okay, let one of them has a stinker. Let's roll that team out. Hopefully I've got a team that's that's doing quite nicely elsewhere. I think if you're trying to be too you know, precise and not right, this guy's going to come on because he hasn't played the last two games and Ken's playing, playing this one, I think you, you you potentially do set yourself up for a bit of stress or a bit of disappointment because, you know, as you just said there, Ivy, you know, football, you know, it's a beautiful game. Lots of things can happen. And we're playing, you know, at the moment, I see this as a very high stakes game of, of fantasy football. So you want to improve your chances, get more cards, put, put more cards into different tournaments. And, and start benefiting from the compound growth that these that these can go uh, that these can provide for you because if you are limiting yourself to two three leagues and you've still got resources that you could deploy to you know uh, build build more cards in your collection uh, I think I think you're potentially slowing yourself down because you can hedge against yourself I mean this week for example I had a disappointing week in the unique division I played you know I don't think I would have made any different changes in hindsight. I laid down five Atletico uniques in in the anticipation that they might get you know home win against Locomotive. They did all right. It looks like I'm going to finish second, but second's not good enough. You know, one goal contribution from any of those five players might have been enough. But you know, then in my other leagues, my divisions, I've hedged against that by trying to steer clear of Atletico and put other combinations—a Lazio combination, a Juve combination, and so forth. So I think if you've picked some five superstars, a Felix, a Ronaldo, and you've got you know your 
your Botman at the back and you've got an old black and you've got this. To get them all in sync on, on the same game week is very tough. And don't forget now, there's there's a massive amount of managers that have got the same strategy. You know, I'm looking at the moment in Champions Division three for this midweek so this is not even a, a weekend where we've got more players available and this is week 119 we've got so far top four black flag he's got Navas Danilo Quadrado Ronaldo Lewandowski not bad next team down Tom C Neuer Asabi Luis Alberto Correa Immobile so a massive core of it, uh, of Lazio players Iesa Oblak Asabi Correa Immobile Ronaldo I'm sitting in fourth at the moment with Oblak Jimenez Bruno Fernandes Mbappe Neymar you know if you're going to choose five superstars now you are going to have to get those five superstars absolutely perfect so yeah. you, you might as so, well have some other runners and riders in the other divisions to- I'm just looking at my line up here I'm just looking at my line up there and, and that just shows you how competitive it is because maybe six months ago or, or well, not quite six months ago three months ago the lineup I had would maybe be quite competitive those four you've just read out there most game week should should do better so I've got Paolo Lopez I've got De Lorenzo Correa Bamba and Alerio so all players capable of of nice high scores solid averages averages there but yeah there's lots of other cards out there that, that can, can also compete so yeah it's it's about giving yourself those options as you say if you, you can get into the more more competitions if you can add a, a challenger add a, a, an Asian lineup, then then why wouldn't you if you can start to compete that little bit more right Mark you've convinced me I'm going to walk with your strategy this weekend I'm going to take a scattergun approach to my um, to my division entries I think it works as well for the, the weekend game week because like, like we talked about before we, we came on the podcast um, th- there's obviously in the Champions League Europa League we're obviously getting to the, the crooks and the, the business end of the group stages so I think there will be a lot of, of ro- rotation amongst those super- superstars most of which you named earlier so I'll go with the scattergun approach and I'll, uh, I'll update you for next week's podcast on, on how I got on brilliant yeah so next week what we've got I think 16 links in action for game week 120 so so that'll be interesting back to the domestic leagues and, and there'll be lots of different options at play there so not just the, the European giants but there'll, there'll be all sorts of combinations out there so I've not actually looked at my lineups so far for that that's going to be tomorrow's task and try to, to plan them out and hopefully do better than, than this game week but any of you guys got any plans any teams that you're hoping for well just before I go on to uh, the, uh, the the upcoming game week 120 that wasn't pointed at anyone in particular certainly not you Paul but my, my point there was more that you know this is a game we're all looking to perhaps make a little bit of, of revenue from this from from our football knowledge and it might be that you know for example I'm still not that passionate about the Asian leagues but I know there are people that are passionate about it and I see the same in, with the MLS so even if my team you know picks up a, a, a prize every three or four weeks at least I know there's a market still to sell those prizes into and that could be you know what I perceive to be a dividend that can then bolster my uh, spending that goes into the into the divisions that I do really like. So, you know, if over the course of a season, I've got, you know, maybe 20, 30, 50 you know, Asian cards and 20, 30, 50, you know, America's cards, and they can produce for me one, two, three, four, five ETH, that might be enough to buy me one, two, three really nice super rares to compete in the divisions that I really want to compete in. And yes, they might not have, you know, the same residual value that uh, a European champions card has, but if you know, I'd be surprised again if, if if they don't pay for themselves over and over again a couple of times over the course of a uh, a sensible time frame. I think the challenge is that so many people come in, they want to hit the ground running so quickly, and it's almost like, no, that card's not playing this weekend. He's not worth anything. Oh, this guy's injured. Oh, he's not worth anything. And they're clambering just to buy players that are in form, and they're paying massively through the nose, in my opinion, for form players. Yes, those form players can pay off very, very quickly, but at the expense of players, which might be a fraction of those price. Uh, but at some point over the next six, 12 months, God forbid if they're 23 years old, they've got seven to 10 years of football still in them, they'll end up uh, paying paying people you know, massive returns. But hey, don't want to get in a soapbox about that. Um, and it's not to, to try and get people to buy loads of cars for loads of divisions for the sake of it. You, you, you've got to do what's right for you but that's just how I see a strategy for someone that's starting out that uh, perhaps doesn't need to go down the superstar route from day one yeah no I think there's a great point and then you, you talked about the demand that essentially is demand for, for all of these leagues we, we see it on Discord and we see it in the, in the transfer market as well 
and just touching on that, this particular this pod, we've actually got about 35% listenership from the United States, Japan, Canada, and Thailand. So there there are users out there on, on Surreal that'll have a lot more knowledge on other leagues that, that maybe we don't, and there'll, there'll be a, a demand, a, a hype for for players in that space as well so yeah definitely something to broaden your horizons and look into as, as you said Mark there's, there's potentially money to be made there's profit to be made but also enjoyment from getting involved with and learning about other leagues and yeah the excitement so the, this year I've learned about Kinkazu and and some other um, players across leagues that had no vision of, of before, you know, had no visibility of, of these guys before. And um, it's added, added to my, my football understanding, it's added to the stuff that I'm looking at on a, a weekly basis and, and looking into. So, yeah, broaden your horizons there with these leagues. You know, the podcast has made it when it's um, getting downloads from places like Thailand. So, another stamp of approval for, for you both. Congratulations. That's, prob- that's probably a dot on his, uh, on his, uh, on his private yacht, just docking to, to, to listening to us, and then he'll be on to uh, somewhere else next week. I was that's thinking it could be someone on holiday but given COVID-19 it's less likely oh, yeah, to be true. that isn't it <laughs> so game week 120 what are you what are your thoughts guys who are you uh you know which which matches have got your interest and uh as a result of those any players that stand out for you that you you're building teams around Paul you want to you want to go for that yeah so so weekend um normal league fixtures in championship Europe for me my div, div 3 and div 4 will revolve around Memphis Depay um, because he's not in um European football I think he's going to be my focus for those two divisions um, in terms of the, the big licenses that so rare have a lot of the biggest teams are away actually this weekend so it might be quite interesting so we've got Bayern away to Stuttgart Juve away to Benevento and Atleti away to Valencia so the biggest home fixture or the best home fixture that the big teams have got a PSG at home to Bordeaux and all, all eyes are going to be on Mbappe because they've got a big fixture next mid- midweek against my team Manchester United will he be rested will he start if, if he doesn't start does he come on in the 20th minute and score a couple of goals um, so so yeah eyes on Mbappe for me and um, Bayern would be interesting one to see if Leroy Sané will start he hasn't started the last two games since the international break and Juventus I'm particularly interested in Dybala who doesn't seem to be anywhere near fitness um, but eventually he's going to come back into that Juve team and hopefully start firing for people that own the card for me I think we've got a bit of research to do tomorrow for my game week always starts with me looking at what keepers I've got available and trying to then formulate my plan around them I seem to I've got lots of options outfield so it's really about the keeper strategy at first so I'll plot the keepers that I've got and then look at all the divisions that I can potentially look at targeting from there and start to, to build up some lineups so yeah I haven't, I haven't not really looked into this following game week yet we're still in, in the middle of 119 so that'll be a, a task for me tomorrow during my lunch and then after after work starting to, to look at building up those lineups and entering 50 odds what, what, what time do you finish work deadlines at five o'clock UK time yeah well we'll, we'll manage it somehow we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get the lineup Mark I'm really interested actually to learn a bit about your approach so Hybe you mentioned that there was 16 leagues um for this weekend Mark you've obviously got a collection um, that is capable of competing in probably every single division where where do you focus your attention on first and how do you pick players for that focus I guess a very general question yeah no I think just just echo some of what Hybe said there I think goalkeepers sets the tone really and looking ahead to the weekend as you've pointed out quite a few players quite a few teams big teams away from home so you're never going to be certain about you know guaranteeing nice points with 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 harder fixtures looking for me uh Ochoa uh playing for Club America in the Liga MX so already I can this say is, this, he, Mark this is your favorite card isn't it it's one of my I've, favorite cards I've seen you mention him so many times well, he's, a, he's, <laughs> we a, he's, a, he's a differentiator and and also because I've got different versions of him if I can see Club America at home now that's my all-star one to four goalkeeper pretty much sorted unless I want to hedge against myself I can put him in division one two three and four and now I've only got to start worrying about outfield players on a week where he doesn't play on a week where they might be away from home you know then I've got to start looking at all the other goalkeepers that other people will use as well so quite happy to stick a choir in you know I'm probably not going to get much more use out of him but I'm going to milk it uh, as much as I possibly can and when there are games like that I think you have to take advantage uh, you do need to have different 
differentiators. Other than that, uh, I think I will probably go down the route of building certain teams around individual clubs. So, you know, if one has a, a particularly poor game, rather than that knocking out maybe three or four competitive teams in one go, uh, I can hopefully damage limitate and have everything all going wrong in, in one particular team. And, you know, if, if I get to the end of the weekend and Atletico haven't won, Bayern haven't won, uh, Lazio haven't won, you know, and uh, and so forth, then chances are I'm going to have a bad weekend anyway. So uh, just to try, just a case of putting everyone together, I might put a cheeky West Ham team together. They're at home to Villa and hopefully Jack Grealish can just keep falling on the floor and uh, West Ham might better sneak a 1-0 win again. And there might be some good points in that if you get the right West Ham players. Looking at the other teams, yeah, I'll, I'll probably put together uh, a Kashima Antlers team at home to uh, Rural Reds. There's some interesting matches up in the League One where licensed teams and Etienne at home to Lille and uh, Lyonnaise at home, Paris at home. Yeah, maybe the French teams slightly edge it this week if we can guess who's playing for them. And Juventus away, will Ronaldo play or will it, will he be rested for midweek as well? So focus on goalkeepers and then and then Hybe, the biggest decision once you've decided your five players that are going to start is captaincy. Have you got a process around deciding who's going to be your captain in, in any particular division? It's more gut feel in all honesty. So it will depend on, on the team as well. I know, Mark, you've talked about hedging some teams there, and that might influence my captaincy decision. So I, I might be hedging a particular team, thinking I've got maybe two, two or three players from from one one team in there. I might then look at captaining another player, or, or just a, a slightly different way of doing it. But but typically it will all come down to what's in that lineup already. Um, I typically don't captain the keeper. Um, their, their scores are normally a lot lower, and they don't seem to have that that high peak score and um, I'll look at either captain if I'm hedging normally look at captain somebody who I, I think has got a, a pretty solid base score and is going to guarantee me a, a set amount of points and not let me down so for example I, I might have some players in a, in a lineup that, that are facing rotation I'm not 100% that they're definitely going to start so I'm not going to captain them even if they are capable of a high 80 or, or 90 score it's just not worth worth the risk so I'll maybe go with a, a more dependable player who might only hit a, a 60 or a 70 on it on his best day so yeah it all just depends on on the lineup I've got in but ideally someone who's starting regularly and is capable of peak high high scores you know you nailed it for me peak high scores are where I'm putting my captain so tended to be attacking players that are capable of multiple goal involvements that is where my captain chip or button is going on a on a weekly basis it is more more for me certainly in the the attacking positions I think when I started I I typically captain defenders and it might be might have been because I had a, a lot more quality um, stable defenders at that starting point or it might have just been a perception thing from me without really drilling into into the data but I think I felt a Napoli defender like De Lorenzo or a Chancel Mbemba was a, a fairly solid captain choice I maybe sometimes went for a Ottavino of Porto or, or other players like that but more recently it certainly has been that attacking player the Lucas Alerio you know the, the, the Chalov those type of uh, those strikers and back obviously a regularly captain and those players are capable of very very high scores as you said regular or multiple goal involvements is always a, a good one so yeah somebody playing in a, a dominant team up front that'd be a, a good choice for me I just wish I had a, a few more of the, the Bayern players Bayern attacking lineup because uh, I think some of them are, are pretty good choices. Yeah, it's a it's a great point on on Bayern Highby, and I think for me they've overtaken Liverpool as the the most exciting team in Europe. Mark, I don't know how that that feels as a Liverpool fan. Oh, I agree. Apart from the exciting part, I think they're definitely the team to beat right now. If you beat Bayern Munich, then you'll win the Champions League. I, I can't see beyond that unless somebody like a Dortmund draws them and Haaland just goes off on one over over the course of two legs. Um, but on a one-off game. I certainly wouldn't want to be playing uh, Munich over two legs. I'd still fancy Liverpool's chances. And you know, I know you guys have got PSG next week. You are you going into the game hoping to lose so you can perhaps get down to that third place so you can play Thursday night football so you've got a chance to start playing in in March? Or are you happy to progress and get knocked out in the round of sixteen straight away? 
I think we need as much revenue as possible, don't we? So we've got <laughs> to get through in the in the Champions League. Although we've we've been we've probably had our best performances of the season in the Champions League, and the win against PSG and in particular the win against Leipzig were, were harking old to the back to the the old Fergie days, which is about as um, exciting as it gets for me as a United fan. So it, Fergie was seven years ago, wasn't he? Those were amazing matches, though. But I, I, I completely get that they they did feel like the the man you of old, as you say, and you you'll know better than than I do. But yeah, that fluid attacking football just dominating teams and just <laughs> attacking talent all across. For, the- for those of you that are listening to this that think this might be edited, this really isn't edited. He was using the words fluid attacking football and Manchester United in the same sentence. So. Exactly. So it does happen occasionally. So I obviously back Mbappe big time. Um, and so seeing Man United do that to, to PSG is not, not nice for, for me. I didn't want to, to see that happening. Um, but they seem to be able to put it together now and again. Uh, I, I'm not sure they maintain that form across the season but it's definitely the potential is there they, they can they can do that they're not as consistent as a Liverpool or certainly not a Bayern but there's performances in, in the locker there and yeah, that PSG man, new match is going to be a, a biggie. I'm hoping Mbappe gets four though, Paul. Yeah, maybe me too as well. He'll definitely be <laughs> my captain in champion uh, Europe Division 3 again. In Ollie, we trust. That's it. Is that the wheel? Most Liverpool fans are very happy at that. Right, well, I think uh, we should move on to probably what I think is, is, is even the biggest talking point of the week. It's gone largely unnoticed because it's it's great when we got get a bit of chat going about our teams, our clubs, and uh, you know the players that we choose each week. But behind the scenes, we had an announcement this week: funding your account with local currency. So a relationship with uh, Ramp has now allowed for managers to select their own currency. We don't have to go through an exchange any longer to get. Uh, funds directly onto your Sarah account so you can start buying players That's now it's, it's huge I mean this wasn't available when I first started and I had to uh, go through that minefield of, of learning about currency setting up certain accounts transferring from A to B to C and you, you know, know how many people I've talked through in Twitter screenshots and, and then all the, the, the issues that you get with setting up your, your first time on a, a wallet like on Coinbase this just makes access to the platform so much easier um, you, you can introduce somebody to this product they can jo- look in, into it click on a link join it and, and start to play immediately without having to, to go through lots of other third party steps to actually get involved in, in playing the game so yeah it's a, it's a game changer isn't it Mark you're probably the same you, you'll have talked to all sorts of new users through this process and ha- had challenges on, on the Discord with, with people trying to fund wallets and, and get involved when it's not something that they've been doing beforehand they've, they've maybe never used cryptocurrency and Paul you've talked about it there yourself that was maybe one of the, the barriers to entry for, for yourself um, on trying to get your head around this space so what what do, what do you think of it does it make a, a big difference to how you'll fund your wallet or you just how, how have you now got into that approach of, of using cryptocurrency and, and funding your, your wallet in ETH or do you think yeah so, so so for me you're right Hybe it was the single biggest barrier to entry firstly in terms of my lack of knowledge in the area so terms like blockchain gas and ethereum were all very very scary words when I first discovered so rare it took me maybe two or three days to acquire some ethereum to make my first purchase on I think it was on the secondary market where it'll make a massive difference is for new users that onboarding process where you can sign up and I'm assuming within 30 minutes have some ethereum in your account so you can buy players will mean that people are going to discover the platform and potentially deposit quickly which will obviously lead to much greater retention and will be much better for for so rare as a business uh-huh. I think so. And you mentioned there about you know, able to just jump on and maybe within that, that short period of time own Ethereum. That's something that might then lead to these people looking further into the cryptocurrencies and, and learning more about blockchain in, in that space. And you mentioned it was obviously uh, probably the, the, the most scary part of, of joining this platform and something that you weren't sure about. For me, it was probably the opposite. Um, seeing that we had this fantasy football game that was based in, on, on blockchain was, was huge for me. I, I saw the, the potential for that. And I, I'm by no means expert in this space whatsoever, but it's, it's just quite interesting that there's different perspectives of that. But from what I've seen from people reaching out to me and the people I, I talked to um, primarily on, on Twitter, most people were put off by the, the cryptocurrency element. They either stopped them joining the platform or took a lot longer for them to actually get involved. One, one on 
user that maybe it took about five weeks for them to say they wanted to get onto the platform but to actually get involved they had all sorts of, of issues with their, their browser with their their bank and actually get, getting um getting in and, and that, that was sad to see but i think this is an enabler to get more people into the platform but cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain is a vital part of, of this game and i think it then enables more people to actually see what that is about and the benefits of this i think it's a very new market very new to, to lots of people obviously the most people have heard of bitcoin it's in in the news and they'll, they'll hear about rises and, and falls on that but cryptocurrency and, and blockchain technology is here to stay and i think over the, the next five, 10 years, we'll see it integrate into our world quite significantly in lots of different ways. So getting into it, maybe in a, for me, this is probably a, a fairly easy access way to start to get your head around this space. So come in having a, a football passion, a, fa- a passion for fantasy football and, and, and sports games, and then come into that platform that's adopting them in a, a slightly different way, learn about, about blockchain. I don't know about you, Mark, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a no-brainer and I think anyone that was perhaps looking to use the you know blockchain excuses, oh, it's, it's too much for me. I, 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 you know, they're, they're, it's it's another excuse now that anyone playing other games uh, that might have been you know might be a, f- uh, a fly on the wall looking over and seeing through it. Oh yeah, these guys are going to say crypto. Yeah, well that's a, that's a fad anyway. You know, we've got we've got a Discord channel now dedicated to crypto, and you know you've got to be careful. You know, there will be people shilling their various goods, and but I think by and large the, the people that post in there are are or posting to try and help educate and direct people to places where you can learn more in general about the blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I think it's positive that, you know, after what's been clearly a bearish year for cryptocurrencies in 2019, cryptocurrencies are back on a bull run, so it seems, in 2020. And that can bring a lot more positive attention to the sector in general. So I think, you know, yes, it's, it's a barrier to entry for some, but I think it's, it's again, it's another big step in knocking it down. And, and anyone that, you know, you might have spoken to previously that said, yeah, it looks good, guys, but, you know, it's not for me. I'm not into that cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Um, you know, worth going back to these people again now, especially with the, uh, the new referral rewards and saying well why don't you take another look because in a few clicks you could put your first 50 under quid on there dabble play buy a few cards and uh and, and see what you think and, and yeah and and i think the next big thing is that ramp have already confirmed this afternoon they're working on the reverse of that so at some point we'll be able to take our eth out and convert back to fiat currency uh within a couple of clicks as well and when that happens i think that'll be even bigger just to close my circle on on the blockchain coming into the platform with zero knowledge it's safe to say now I've definitely embraced the transparency that the blockchain can provide. So to use non-native platforms like So Rare Data and Crypto Slam and look at the entire history of every single card is, is something that is really, really good for the platform and gives me so much information I can, I can use for my decision making on like auctions, on secondary market. And even when you look at So Rare Data, looking at obviously SO5 lineups and things from a, a new user who was very daunted by some of the, the language and terminology, I've now fully embraced everything that the blockchain provides and what a fantastic decision from So Rare to put a platform like this on, on the blockchain. I think uh, it would be perfect to, to give Give a, a massive shout out to the two finalists in the Community uh, World Cup that uh, Clip organised a number of weeks back. Uh, it's got through to the final stage, and this weekend in All Star Division Four, we've got the final matchup between Panama and France. I'm just going to call them France because all the other French teams are out. And I can see on the Discord, we know exactly who the matchups are going to be. We've got Sabalb93 versus Black Flag. Uh, I know both of their collections pretty well. Some, you know, but They have got some top, top cards between them. JU330 for Panama versus Il Phenomeno. I have to say I don't know too much about JU330's collection, but Il Phenomeno, again, just a load of cards, and he's, he's a, a very shrewd character within the game. Third matchup is Jandalart versus Matt CR7. Again, I think we've got some good cards on both sides there. And the bottom matchup, or the fourth matchup for both sides, is Gokka versus Magician DOS. And I think, not sure if Gokka's going to have any cards to choose from this week. He's only got like 1,200 or so. So hopefully he can put, have a thought for Gokka, see if he can still manage to put a team of five out there uh, to compete for Panama. I have but, no uh, idea if he does that. <laughs> it's hard enough I'm having 400 1200 must be an absolute nightmare for now. must be it must be a record as well I think he's uh far he's finally eclipsed uh, the long-standing 
highest card or highest total card owner ricochet who was one of the very early beta testers along with myself and has has grown a super impressive collection since day one and Gokka has achieved that in a, a much shorter space of time um but the focus on the game itself do you guys have any uh, knowledge of both teams i don't know if, if your team played any of these or um who do you fancy in the final we got eliminated by the People's Champions Mexico, didn't we, Hybe? We did, we did, yeah. As, well. uh, so. as, as they beat us, I, I had it nailed on that they were going to go and win the whole thing. Well, if they did, we were going to have to play their, their theme music on the pod. Thankfully, that's not going to happen. But yeah, um, I'm not sure. I've not looked at, at these sides and, and looked at the, the individual lineup to see who I think's going to win. But I think it's been a, a fantastic competition that, that Clip set set up hasn't it? it's been a lot of buzz around it and everyone who's been involved has has been super excited and keeping an eye on what's going on i was gutted when when we got put it out it was yeah it was good to have that that banter the, the few weeks that we were in before some poor performances from from my team and paul I think we got we we got hands vanackened didn't we we did. We did. I think I think he appeared three times in in their lineups and got a ninety plus score for the game week that we got eliminated. But congratulations to Mexico for that if they are listening. Yeah, congratulations Mexico. Well, let's let, let's let's go back to the actual team that's still contesting the final. You can you can you can be bitter off air about your uh, loss, <laughs> loss to Mexico. I'm just scrolling through the teams. I don't know. I think on paper France do look favourites, uh, and I'm, I'm basing that on the fact that. Uh, the teams, uh, the, the managers and the French teams are all known, you know, to me through the, for their uniques they've got throughout their collection. And if they've got uniques, I think the chances are they've, they've got enough depth in their super rares and rares to put out a pretty strong Division 4 team. But on any given weekend, anything can happen. All-Star Division 4 always throws up some, uh, some great combinations of scores. And I think, yeah, you'll all share with me. Good luck to all of the finalists and uh, may the best team win. Yeah, Mark, you know more about this than me, so I'm also going to pick France. Ah, oh, look at that. Man United fan and Liverpool fan in harmony. It, it, it can happen. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go the other direction then. So You yeah. contrarian. You there we go. Two, English, two Englishmen and a Scot. There we go. It works perfectly that way as well. That's, uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to agree with you guys. We got the Scouser and the Monk to agree. It's just the English and the Scottish that couldn't. <laughs> but I think we've... We've talked a lot today. That brings us to the end of today's Solar Global Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you have found it useful. And as always, if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept to more users. 